ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. That's right, everybody. Welcome back once again to the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, being joined by my uh, co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin, as always, and our special guest tonight, Carl Hamburger from WAPT. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Carl. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Good to see you. I met uh, Bobo at Compound Media many years ago, and uh, it's good to see you again, buddy. Yep, I remember that. I think it was maybe a... I think it was probably a couple of weeks before that lockdown stuff happened, if, I remember, oh. if my memory is correct. Well, it was 2018, so yeah, a couple of weeks before the pandemic, yeah. <laughs> Just a few oh, weeks. Oh, no, no, maybe a couple, maybe a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've been, I, I've, been, I've, been there so, I've been there so many times that sometimes it's hard to keep track of every, of every, of every, of every specific day I met everyone. I'm not taking, been, I don't take offense to it, Bobo. I don't take offense. It's all okay. But I, but I do, I do remember me. I do remember meeting you at Compound Media once. Yes, I was very excited that to I, see you. I, I've told this story before, but uh, we were in the green room area, and they have a little water cooler there. And Bobo comes up and he starts pouring himself a water, and I'm standing there. And this is before he knew that I was a guest on the Anthony Cumia show. So I'm standing there. I go, "Hey, Bobo, I'm a huge fan. My name's Carl, and you like big time me. You're like, okay, whatever." And he, brushed me off and then you saw that i was on anthony's show and then all of a sudden i was cool and you could talk to me so it's okay i don't mind i don't mind getting big time because you are a no, much no, bigger no, celebrity no, than me in that no, scenario actually it wasn't really the case for that reason it's just me i was just uh i was just trying to drink drink some drink some water before the show because i kind of i i drink i drink a lot of water because of uh my 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 plumbing <laughs> good answer fair enough Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Well, you know, Carl, the reason why I uh, became aware of your podcast too was from your appearances on Compound Media and everything, and just uh, I really just fell in love with the way you run a show, and uh, obviously your your uh, infamous uh, you know in interactions with Opie and uh, Stut Joe and everything, and you know the one thing I did want to ask you though too before we get into a little bit of the sports because as you know this is a our New York sports podcast. Sure. I, you know. We, we, we have to touch on a little bit of this dabble verse nonsense. And I just wanted to ask you, did you ever think when all this started that you would be in a, a blood feud with stuttering John Melendez? Definitely not. I remember <laughs> when we first reviewed his show and it was episode 109. So we'd, we'd already reviewed 108 other podcasts and we make fun of them and then we move on. And it's, you know, whatever. And so we did stuttering John's episode and uh, John was very upset about it. And I remember uh, years later him saying, I don't know why you didn't just invite me on your show, Carl. You know, if, if we could have just had a, a show together. And it's like, I didn't want you on my show. That wasn't the point. I wanted to play clips of your show, similar to like Jocktober from the Opie and Anthony show. I just want to play some clips and then uh, we move on. But, you know, just like how Scott Shannon eventually ended up on the Opie and Anthony show, I eventually ended up actually having interviews and conversations with Southern John directly, something I never planned on nor necessarily wanted to have happen. <laughs> it's all surprising to me. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the way it all turned out, just absolutely crazy. Yes. And, uh, were you going to say, Dan? Yeah, yeah, that kind of circumstance happens unexpectedly. I mean, I'll tell you a good example. You guys, I feel, I feel like you guys, I could tell that you guys were probably influenced by one of the greatest and most underrated TV shows of all time is Street Fighter 3000. Well, there was there was a little story I remember reading about the I was reading what I remember seeing an interview with Mike Nelson, who was one who was one of the guys from from the show, right? And he's talking about how when they did an episode when they when they uh, rifted the movie uh, Mitchell, right? And that one they of the did best they ever one of the best episodes yeah. ever. Yep, and they did. They also they also rifted another one of his movie, Joe Don Baker's movies, uh, Final Justice. Well, they talked about one time that. He encountered Joe Don Baker at a hotel, and the guy threatened to attack him. Like he didn't. He, apparently, he didn't take it so so well that they were rifting one of his 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 work on screen. Well, that, that's a, a great point, Bobo. Because as we've been goofing on podcasts, you know, I, I call it roasting. It's a roast style podcast that we do. We have people who take it very well and have gone on to be friends with the show and come on and co-host with me. And we've collaborated on a bunch of things, a lot of examples of that. And then we've had just the opposite. People get very upset with me and try to ruin my life or try to um, get a bunch of people on to uh, take us down. So yes, there, there's a couple different ways that you can respond to this. And I would say that uh, not getting in on the joke is probably the bad way to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 More, it, it, it's best to go the more, uh, to use another MSC3K analogy, go the more Joe Estevez route and have fun with it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think you even mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago when this really started to get ratcheted up with Stuttering John that, you know, you've been goofing on Opie for years now and it's never gotten to this level because he never directly came at you in you know the same way that, that Stuttering John has. And I think as, you know, as uh, much as we can be critical of Opie, you have to give him credit that he's at least taken it somewhat in stride, unlike Stuttering John. Yeah, Opie's a professional. John doesn't understand how to act like a professional. And so when Opie and Anthony were going after all these radio shows and they were developing this fan base that were passionate, they called them the pests, and these guys <laughs> would go after the shows and get their Facebook pages taken down and all this stuff, I think both – Opie, Anthony, probably Jim too. They all realized like this could all turn on us someday. And it kind of did. And so I think I Opie was always ready for this to happen. And he knows not to engage. The worst thing you can do is engage. And so when it comes to Opie, he's brought me up a few times. He's talked about me a little bit here and there, but for the most part, he pretends we don't exist. Probably the best way to go about it because we've never engaged in his wife, his kids, like anything like that. Whereas John talks about this shit all the time. And so now people are going after his mom. You know, you see that with the Uncle Rico show. Yeah. And they're going through his divorce papers. They're going through all this stuff. It's because John brings all this stuff onto himself. He keeps bringing it up mm -hmm. and engaging with all the haters. And this is what you're going to get when you're trying to take on thousands of people on the internet all at once. So you're not going to win that battle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for failure there. Yes. And, um, you know, uh, you know, you you mentioned the the whole ONA universe and everything and all three of us were were big fans of that obviously bobo became a big part of it yes. and I, I just wanted to ask you too you know what we just uh, had dr steve on recently and he was sharing a couple of his favorite bobo mem memories or bits from the show i just wanted to ask you what you know what were some of the iconic bits that stood out to you with bobo on the show 
Well, I mean, obviously the the Patrice O'Neill uh, baseball bit was uh, was one of the greatest of all time. But I would say my favorite was when uh, Bobo was the ten thousand dollar fugitive. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I still remember. I still remember that one. That one. That one still makes me laugh. <laughs> because the fugitive bit was one of my favorites of all time. Like that was part of the Jacktober thing. And yeah, yeah, that, 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 these... that, 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 that's literally what inspired me to do a parody of that bit. Like, I just, I'm just hearing this, and I just figured, oh, these guys will get a laugh at me parodying this bit. Like, I just thought of the whole idea to parody it, and I just, <laughs> and it just turned, and they just turned it into something else. Like, <laughs> it was great. Well, they, they're geniuses, and and they uh, they did a good job utilizing your very many talents, Bobo, but. The, the fugitive bit was this, uh, people don't know, Opie and Anthony would go around the country listening to different morning shows. So you'd be in Wisconsin one day and then Pennsylvania the next and all these different markets. And what they found out was all these morning shows get the same bits from the same services, Prep Burger or whatever it was, that was feeding them these bits to do. And so you think you have this morning show you listen to on your way into work every day and they're coming up with all this stuff. It's actually the same bits that the same you know, people are hearing across the country on different radio shows so the fugitive was this horrible gimmick they had where you could win ten thousand dollars if you could figure out who the 98.9 wpxy fm fugitive was or whatever the stupid call letters were and so uh it was always the same in every market and it was great because you'd listen to jocktober and sam roberts would bring in the the clips and say okay we're today we're going to be in minnesota and here's the show we're listening to and then they go into the fugitive bit it's immediately just hilarious he's like oh we've already heard this three times this month coming from different radio shows so bobo you were great on that yeah definitely and i another one of my favorite parts about when they would do the jacktober bit was i used to it's sometimes i'd be listening later in the day but there'd be times that i'd be lucky enough that i'd be listening live if i was listening live i would immediately go on my computer to go on the Facebook page of the whatever whatever show they were they were they were riffing on because I knew I knew there was going to be some funny stuff on that Facebook page back then. So that one of my favorite things to do too during October, and this was back when Facebook was different than it is now, where mm -hmm. people would go on these morning shows would have their own Facebook page, the radio station would have one, the morning show would have one, and people would go on and just start posting onto their page directly, and there'd be some pornographic stuff, but the funniest were you would have Hulk Hogan taking down the Twin Towers on 9-11. <laughs> that was, was my favorite. Those are the funniest Sam photos. Robert's shows. reaction to that, just hearing Sam almost crying laughing, just, I, I, I hadn't even, even seen the picture yet, and I was crying laughing. And then yeah. when you see it, it's even funnier. <laughs> oh, it's, it's hysterical. He's just giving the leg drop to the Twin Towers. It's brutal. And the look when, when they all kept saying, I did this for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very very funny yeah that's uh definitely one of the most iconic ones of all time love that jocktober bit and carl honestly i love that that you're keeping it alive you know i i always wished when when ant first went to um to compound that those first few years i i wish that you know at least for the month of october maybe one day a week bring over like jimmy and sam and yeah. try to keep that legacy going but i guess for whatever reason that's difficult to work out and, you know, but the, just the fact that you grabbed the horns and kept it going and kept the legacy of Jocktober alive. I, I love that, man. You have a 
a, a great show. And, uh, you know, I just love the fact that you keep it going. Well, thanks, Rob. It's, it's interesting. When we started the podcast in 2016, it was me and my buddy Kevin. Kevin and I used to play in a band together. We grew up together. And then he moved out to Seattle. And so we were keeping in touch. Uh, he was a stand-up comic, too. We were keeping in touch, doing different projects together. And then we talked about, like, let's start a podcast. He wanted to start a podcast. I go, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'm a big uh, morning radio guy, but I listen to afternoon radio, sports talk, political talk. I was in all that stuff. So I said, yeah, let's do a podcast. And we were brainstorming. What could our podcast be about? And I had the idea. I go, you know, my favorite bit was Jocktober. And there's so many bad podcasts out there. This is going back to eight years ago. So think about what the landscape is now. But even back then, it's like everyone's making their own shitty podcast. And we really started off with a, a mix of celebrity shows, but also just kind of nobody's putting together podcasts. But back then, it was more so guys you never heard of, people you never heard of trying to make podcasts because that was more of the landscape back then. So it was a field day. It was so easy to goof on all these people who are making these shows. Yeah, exactly. It was like shooting fish in a barrel, as they yeah, say. And, for uh, sure. And, I mean, it's similar to the October bit, because these morning shows are so bad. We, we've gone through, we, we've actually adopted now every October, we do kind of a October theme where we either play radio shows or shows that used to be on the radio who moved over to podcasting. So it's all these like, heck, radio DJs. Hey, we got a caller coming in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. So just, uh, yeah, just absolutely great. Absolutely love, uh, you know, your show WATP. Um, and you know, obviously too, you're the, the front man for the isotopes, you know, you guys, uh, I, I, I was listening to, um, you know, some of your stuff the other day, you know, you guys, how, how long have, have you, have you been together, uh, you know, as a band, the isotopes? Cause I, I was listening to you guys have great stuff. I don't know what stuttering Thank John's you. talking about. Well, I, I appreciate that. I've been playing in the Isotopes. I'm uh, the founding member. Uh, I've been playing in that band since 2001. So I think we're on our 23rd year. The lineup has changed. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's it's a different band than it was when we started. Um, But yeah, we've kept the Isotopes going for all that time. And I do appreciate that. It's an instrumental rock band. You can find us wherever you stream music. The Isotopes.com is also where you can go to find more information on that. Absolutely, man. And uh, make sure to check out all Carl Carl stuff. And also go to his Patreon, too, because if you want to see some great stuff, and that's not including Stuttering John's audiobook, you can subscribe to his Patreon and get all of his great content. Absolutely. Uh, very affordable a month. So do yourself a favor. Check that out. And, um, you, you Thanks, know, Carl, uh, we do two bonus episodes every single month yeah. on our Patreon. It also supports the show. You can also watch us do the shows live, which most people... You have to wait for the clips to come out on YouTube or you listen to the podcast audio, which is great. But if you want to watch us do it live on YouTube, sign up for our Patreon and then you can uh, watch us every Wednesday and Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and you know, Carl, the one thing, too, uh, I, I was really pulling for uh, to, to get us back into a little bit of sports here as we come up on the Super Bowl. I was really pulling. And look, I'm, I'm a Jets fan. I'm, I'm from Long Island. I grew up a Jets fan right down the street from Hofstra University where they used to practice. So I never really had any great feelings about your Buffalo Bills. Understood. But man, I was I was rooting for you guys this year, and that's probably why you lost. And, uh, you know, I, I was rooting for them to pull it out. Nobody wanted to see the Chiefs go back. And Josh Allen is just such a likable, you know, winning quarterback that, you know, how could you root against the guy? 
Thank you. I, I totally agree with you on that. It was heartbreaking the way they lost against the Chiefs. We finally got the game in Buffalo. We finally got to play at home field. And uh, the fact that – and I, I made the joke the next day on my show, The Creep Off. I go, yeah, I, I didn't watch the game last night because it was a rerun. Because just for <laughs> our kicker to go wide right and lose the game when it comes down to that, just so depressing. And they, they played so well. And, uh, you know – Patrick Mahomes, I think, is also a very likable guy and obviously a great quarterback, but I'm just sick of him. It's too much. Yeah. Every commercial, him and Kelsey, they're on every commercial. They've been in, what, four of the last six Super Bowls? It's just enough. I mean, this this matchup, I think a lot of people were rooting for Detroit-Buffalo. I know I was. Because yeah, that would have been so that. much more interesting for two teams that just don't get there ever to be in the, the big game together. would have been nice. Yeah, same thing here. As a matter of fact, I I have to admit I'm still I'm also annoyed by the Chiefs. As a matter of fact, I've been calling out. Sometimes I I, I jokingly if I'm if I'm if I walk by somewhere and I'm seeing like some female wearing a Chiefs hat or something, I I keep calling out the fake ones. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was just uh, I was just down in Florida. Uh, we have a, a place down there, and so we were hanging out in Florida. And you can't believe how many Chiefs fans there are. I swear to God, ten years ago this did not exist. I, I knew like one Chiefs fan my entire life, and now there's like just millions of them everywhere. It's so annoying. Yeah, I know. I I've been I've been comparing the Chiefs fans that are just really Swifties to what I used to see in high school with these girls that were wearing Yankee stuff, and I knew, and almost all the time times I figured, yeah, they just probably wearing that stuff because they have a crush on Jeter, and I used to call them out on it all the time, like. Right. I used to I used to ask them stuff that I knew I I used to know which ones were the I knew which ones were the actual fans and which ones weren't, and there was there was one that was I there was one that turned out to be an actual fan so I figured just to, as as apologize for all that call, trying to call her out I just I, I my my mother knew someone who like works security or something gave yeah, him I hooked her up with some nice tickets so nice and what did she do for you Bob do you get anything well, uh, in well, return well, for that. Actually, at that time, that was that was someone that was already in a relationship. But I just wanted to be. I, but I just knew I had to be nice for calling her out on being a fake Yankee fan when I realized that she actually was a fan. Since I knew, since I knew someone that had to hook up with tickets, I just felt I had to be courteous. It's very, it's very nice of you, Bobo. I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you realized that you were in the wrong and you needed to make amends for it. I'll tell you a, a real quick story. It's not that interesting, but I have been a lifelong Cubs fan. And uh, the reason for that is because WGN, the Superstation, was on our cable networks in the early and mid-80s. The Cubs didn't have lights in their stadium. So almost every afternoon, the Cubs were on TV. I loved baseball. I got into the Cubs. They were a good team back then. Whatever. So I've been a Cubs fan all my life. 2016 comes. The Cubs win the World Series. Something I never thought I'd live for or live through. It was so exciting. And I remember going to a Buffalo Sabres game not long after that, and I'm wearing my Cubs hat, and the security guy goes, oh, everyone's a Cubs fan now. I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> if you know with Bartman and all the shit that I've gone through being a Cubs fan, and now you're going to call me out and I think I'm a bandwagoner? Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. If you're wearing a Cubs hat, you know, it, there really aren't too many bandwagon Cubs fans. I'm sure there were a bunch in 2016, but come on, anybody wearing a Cub hat, you know, they're the – I, I don't know, especially lovable losers. They're always the lovable it, losers. It's not, it's not, they're not the Dodgers. They're not like, uh, exactly. The Red Sox. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah, the yeah, funny thing is, speak, speak, speaking of Bartman, 
There was one time I was in Chicago and I got mistaken for Steve Bartman. Oh, once. I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I, 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 I would beat you up right now because of that. Yeah, 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 yeah they, thought, they thought they, they, they thought I was wearing some disguise or something because I'm because I'm because I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing I'm wearing I'm wearing I'm wearing I'm wearing a I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Mets shirt right and I'm wearing, and they thought I was Steve right. Bartman yeah, in disguise. Yeah, hiding. Yeah, hiding. Oh, I like Mets. Yeah. And 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 I just and I just pulled out an ID, my ID covering the part with the address and name, and I'm saying, see, look, 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 you know, the name and date of birth. I'm a bit right. too young to be Steve Bartman. Right. So this is a sports show. Everyone's sports fans here, so I can go a little bit into this. Now, Please. as a Cubs fan and watching that game and being so invested in that team, the Cubs had a great team. We're five outs away from the World Series, first time in my lifetime, obviously. And, um, you know, everyone was very, you know, Moses Alou reacted the way that he did when, when Bartman interfered with the ball that would have probably landed in Moses Alou's club and it would have been the second out of the eighth inning. I don't blame Bartman at all. And I get annoyed with Chicago Cubs fans who do because if you go back and you watch the replay, every fan around him had their hands up to catch that ball. It's a natural yeah. reaction. You don't think like, hey, hold on a second, guys. Let's not interfere. Because we don't want to catch a fucking souvenir during the NLCS at Wrigley Field. You know, like, you don't think that way. You're like, hey, the ball's coming to me. Let's let's go. So I never blame Bartman. I felt bad for him. Everyone's throwing drinks at him. He had to be escorted out. And I don't think he's been back to the stadium since, but it's too bad. Actually, well, I, I heard he's back I, to the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to say, Dan? Because I'm, I'm actually, thinking the same I remember thing. seeing an article. He was actually back. He's been invited back a couple of times. And surprisingly, they gave, ownership gave him. A World Series ring. He's got. Oh. He's actually. He actually has a World Series ring. That's. I mean, I, like I said, I don't blame him, but I'm not giving him a fucking World Series ring. The <laughs> fuck? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like when the Red Sox gave Buckner, uh, you know, the uh, World Series ring after they finally won in '04. So I guess it's kind of like burying the hatchet, but still, it doesn't make up for the years in between. Did the Cubs give a goat the World Series ring too? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, oh, the only problem is I'm 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 like C. Bartman. That goat's been long dead. That's true. Yes, <laughs> good point. Well, you know, 2016 when the Cubs finally won, they were probably like Oprah giving out. You know, you get a World Series ring. You get a World Series ring just because yeah, you know yeah, they yeah, finally yeah. got that monkey off their back. Yeah, one one of the things that made me laugh, unfortunately, unfortunately, there wasn't a game going on when I was in Chicago at the time. But I did have a couple of drinks at this bar by the stadium called Murphy's Bleachers, and I just couldn't help but laugh. I'm saying, I can't believe in Chicago they named a bar, Mur bar near Wrigley's Field of all places, a bar named with the that has the same name as the name of that goat. That just made me laugh. That's they would true. actually. They would actually name a bar Murphy's Bleachers that's at that specific location. Well, I, I got to say, I I never bought in on the goat curse. That whole thing's <laughs> yeah. folklore. It's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree with you on that. It always seemed like they were kind of grasping at straws. Yeah. You know, like the Yankees had the, the curse of the Bambino. Curse of so the Bambino for something. the Red Sox makes sense. Like, that's yeah. a thing that you could be like, yeah, that was a dumb move. But some guy yeah. bringing a goat in, they wouldn't let him in. He's like, well, then you'll never win again. It's like, no, don't bring your goat to the stadium, idiot. Want <laughs> Nobody wants to be near your goat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what kind of person would bring a goat into their stadium? Well, nowadays, people bring fucking animals everywhere for emotional support. But back then, that didn't exist. I mean, what are you doing? Keep, leave your goat at home. <laughs> That's true. <laughs>
that's true, man. And uh, you, you know, Carl, I wanted to uh, to ask you too. Um, obviously, before you you mentioned uh, the uh, the Super Bowl twenty five, um, going back to uh, Norwood and the Giants. Obviously, Dan's a, a Giant fan. I was yep, a little too I'm, young, and, and I'm wearing and I'm wearing a jersey in that era. Way. It's got the LT jersey on. Nice. And uh, I just have to you know, so I, I was just wondering. How how old were you during that, and uh, how how much did that affect you as a Bills fan? You know, uh, at such you know, a young age. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. So I blew, I grew up here in Bills country. Everyone's a big Bills fan, and then those teams with with the K Gun, Jim Kelly, and Thurman Thomas, and, and all those guys, that it was a huge deal in this part of the country. But I was not as big a football fan back then. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I've always been a big baseball fan, a uh, big hockey guy. I played soccer when I was younger. I was really into that. So while I was a Bills fan and, and watching that game, I didn't care as much about football back then as I do now. I don't think football is a sport for children. It's too complex. There's too much going on. The rules are too complex. I mean, women can't figure it out. I don't think kids can. <laughs> but were you That's... as into football when you were in junior high as you are now? I agree with you because I uh... – the older I got, and it also came from playing it. Like once I was playing it in junior high and high school, mm. then I kind of got more of a better understanding of it. But yeah, I, I agree. You know, when I was younger, although I knew I was a Jets fan, most of the time I was watching the game, I had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember a lot of times my my dad and my brother be sitting down watching the Bills game every Sunday, and I just wanted to go out and play with my friends. You know, we'd we'd play <laughs> football in the backyards. And actually, my school didn't have a football team. I went to a high school where soccer was the main fall sport. So I played oh, soccer. Wow. We did not have football. And I, the rumor, I don't know if this is true or not, but there was some kind of terrible injury that happened at my school decades prior. And so they just got rid of the football program. So I didn't really learn the sport. I wasn't going to my high school games. I wasn't playing on the team. So I didn't really learn the sport until I was older. So yeah, I just, I wasn't as into it. Uh, with all that said, I want to point this out about Super Bowl 25. People like to blame Scott Norwood. Again, not Scott Norwood's fault. It should not have come down to a 47-yard field goal at the end of the game. The Bills had a much better team than the Giants. The Bills got outcoached. And everyone loves Marv Levy, and everyone praises Marv Levy around here in the Buffalo area. But he got outcoached that game, and uh, his team was not disciplined. If you remember, they went on that four Super Bowl run where they, they lost, and, and the, the Giants game was the only close one. The other ones, they all got blown out. He was, th these guys were going to the city for the Super Bowl and partying all week. Thurman Thomas lost his helmet before the fucking game over <laughs> one of the Super Bowls. It's just like, what are you guys doing? You're playing the biggest game of your lives. Can you fucking take it seriously? What's going on here? Yeah, and, and I think that year going into the Giants Super Bowl too, that was the AFC Championship game that they beat the Raiders like 52 to 3. So I really dominant, can't even, they were dominant I can't even blame them. It's crazy. You know, why and wouldn't you be cocky? Who was, the, who was the defensive coordinator for the Giants that year? Do you know? I, Belichick, I believe, right? I believe was Bill that Belichick. was the Bill, Bill Belichick. And they held, they held the Bills to uh, 19 points. And that was an explosive, you know, that, that was, I, I could be wrong about this, but from my memory of it, they were one of the first teams that did the no huddle offense throughout the entire game. You know, mm -hmm. Peyton Manning perfected it. 
but Jim Kelly was doing it. And he was pl- calling the plays. I, I miss the days when you let the quarterback call the play on the field because they're the ones yep. who know what's going on. They're watching how the defense is playing them, and they they know their personnel and everything. So Jim Kelly would call the plays on the field, and they were so explosive, and they scored so many points. And uh, the fact that the Bill Belichick and the Giants, Bill Parcells, that Giants defensive coaching staff figured out a way to stop them. Again, I think that that was the Bills getting outcoached in that game. Yeah, I'm with you on that too. That's uh, yeah, you know, when you got the combination of Belichick and Parcells, that's yeah. tough to get around, man. <laughs> it's, it's it's a young Belichick. I mean, he obviously this was before he was a head coach of the Browns. It was before he won all the Super Bowls. But the guy obviously knows football. Yeah, especially defense yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. I I feel like that Bill Parcells lineage is with like probably one of the greatest coaching lineages because you had you had two coaches that had some really big legacies that came out of that Parcells lineage. You had you had a course you had of course Bill Belichick, and you had a uh, you had a uh, Tom Coughlin those two Super Bowls, including one that they defeated a team that people thought no one could beat that undefeatable. Patriots team and they pulled off that one big upset that I will still remind Patriots fans of to this day like I will still every Patriots fan I know I will find a funny way to remind them of that of that game like I'll either do this I'll show them a picture of the Daily News I'll show them a picture of uh of my of the, of the ticket from the from the city hall ceremony I was at I got to be sit right in front of the steps of city hall to see the ceremony there I've even maybe sometimes even gone gone to the other Super Bowl that the Giants beat the Patriots at. I'll show them my ticket stub from Super Bowl Forty Six. No, and I feel like you're you're bragging. (laughs) I was waiting for that. I had it ready to go for you. I'm sorry, I stepped on it. No, you're fine. (laughs) Um, So, all right, let me ask you about this. So, you think about that game where uh, you know the 18 and 0 or was it yeah 18 and 0 Patriots come in they're going to be the first team to be 19 and 0 win a Super Bowl which would have been the only thing I would have liked about that is the 72 Dolphins would have shut the fuck up and moved down with their yes. lives but but whatever <laughs> you know so you had that game and uh, the Giants have the big upset there so in your opinion Bobo as a Giants fan is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? I just feel like he is a whole thing quarterback. That guy just, he just always had a way of rising up in those big spots. Oh, he had a lot of bad games. He had a lot of bad seasons with that team. But but when you do, when you play well in two Super Bowls, that does go a long way for sure. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that just like the, the font defines the legacy. Like it's one thing to have, the, but it, we're, we're really where the money is, is at those big spots. And that's just, that that's where that's where that's where it's at. And but without without David Tyreek though, he's not winning that game, right? Is that his name? Well, I have to I have to get credit for him to make for making that for making that play oh at that big gosh. spot. Yeah. yeah, that I I I, I nearly caused my, my my I I didn't have Mr. Malunigan yet for that Super Bowl. This one was at my living room, but I still but Rosie Shea was still around then. She was still alive, and that was she was just practically a puppy back then. She was parking when I. Oh, I bet you were. I bet you were screaming quite a bit. But I'm. I'm just glad that you made a Mr. Malunigan reference. That made me yeah, happy. But, Checked out the big yeah, board over here. Of, of course, of course, of course. Super Bowl Forty Six. Mr. Malunigan was around a Rosie, but I was at the Super Bowl, so they were with 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 the, with them with my neighbor who invited Bubble, me to go. How are you getting tickets to the Super Bowl? What's going on over there? You got well, all these connections. Story. 
I'll tell you that story. It was my 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 neighbor and a, my neighbor and a and his father with him was their Giants fans, right? So we're watching the NFC Championship game, right? We're celebrating, right? And I'm saying, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're celebrating. Then he tells me, I'll say, by the way, Daniel, you're going to the Super Bowl with me and my father. And I says, what do you mean? And apparently they booked a package. They had pre-booked the Giants through the Giants website, a travel package in case the Giants got to the Super Bowl. They would be going, right? They booked a spot for me to go with them to that game. So they just told me right as soon as they wanted, I was going to be going with them. I don't know how much his father paid for this package. Do you, do you realize what the life that you've lived? You're like Boris Gump. I can't believe the experiences you've had in life being connected to the Opie and Anthony show for all those years. You're going to Super Bowls. What the fuck? What do you do for a living, Bobo? Okay. I, 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 I've, I've worked most. I've worked mostly moving jobs where we get storage places. But I will. I load. I load a UPS truck. Wow. I load a UPS truck. What a, what a life that, you've lived. I hope you appreciate it, buddy. Yep, that's true. I kind of. I'm, I'm probably I'm probably the luckiest person in that entire in that entire warehouse, that UPS warehouse. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. That's I'm, a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you're working with like Eric the actor or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No doubt about that, man. And um, yeah, Dan uh, too. Also, I mean, that that was the same Super Bowl that Eastside Dave was at too, right? Yeah, yeah, that 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 was that was the same soup. That was the same Super Bowl, and I didn't realize until after he was at that Super Bowl. And I could tell you a little story about that. Speaking of Dave, and that's that that iconic, what I consider the greatest Super Bowl song ever. On the plane, as we're taxiing, I'm chewing that song up on my phone, and we're listening to it. And me, you know, you know, and me, and me, me, and my friend works. We're, we're just we're sitting here, and we're we're singing that. We're singing along to the song, right? And I see a couple of people on the plane dancing as as this plane is hit, as this plane is was acting. They're Come all on. dancing to the song. Bobo, what Super Bowl song are you talking about? Because there's only one greatest Super Bowl song. What are you talking about? I'm talking about this well, little song that Eastside Dave did called "Fuck Tom Brady." Oh, okay. I got you. All right. Yes. And, and, and right, this was a song leading up to that Super Bowl. Dave's a fellow Giants fan. I just had to. I just. We, I just started spontaneously pulling up, pull, pulling up my phone and playing that song, and we're, and he, and and he, and he, and my friend has seen the video. He had seen the video before, and he was, he was feeling it. So, so we're like playing that, and we're, we're just singing it, and we're dancing, and a couple of people on the plane are dancing as well. Nice. So, I, <laughs> I, this is not as great a story as that by any means, but you just reminded me. Speaking of being at the same game and not realizing it. If you guys remember the first game of the season last year, the Bills went to the LA Rams, the Super Bowl champion LA Rams to play in LA for this for the Thursday night game. So my wife and I went out to that game. We watched the Bills win 30 to 10. And I found out after the fact that Gino Bisconti was there. I'm like, what the fuck, Gino? We want to hug out. We were hanging out the whole time, uh, celebrating. He was rooting for the Bills there, and I'm I'm bummed that we didn't know he was there at the time. Yeah, really. I mean, especially at a Rams game too. If it was the Chargers, you'd expect right. it. But for the Rams, I mean, come I on. I know, but I know. I was very surprised he was there. They, very yeah, cool. Some, yeah, sometimes sometimes you run into people and you don't and you don't and you don't expect it. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that, that's how I actually met uh, Bobo at the uh, Opie and Anthony Unmasked at uh, Caroline's. Yeah. No shit. With uh, Ron yeah, Bennington. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He met me. What happened was after that game, it was close to around the time the. It was gonna, there was a Rangers playoff game starting that time, so we were gonna. 
I, he, he thought he, he, he happened to be going, going to a place to watch the playoff game right after. So we ended up, uh, we ended up watching, watching that game together right after the, right after that taping nice. of the, of the Ron Bennington on mast, which by the way, when I still have, I still have that, I still have that poster. But that yes, was like, I, 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 I feel like that's the last time a live audience got to see all three of them together. And yes. it's hard to believe I was a part yeah. of that. All right. And Bobo, the- I got a question for you on this. This is interesting to me. So, have you had Anthony sign that poster? All three of them signed that poster. It was, they, 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 act, they were actually signing that. They were broadcasting their show like normal before that taping in their studio. And apparently, I, I was hearing on the show in between commercial breaks, they were mentioning it in between commercial breaks, that the whole show, as they're doing their show, they're signing a bunch of these posters, a, whole, a ton of them, like a truckload, whatever amount. Whatever amount they printed out, their autograph they autographed each and every one of them. So nice. if you were there, you got one of these posters, and apparently they had some extras because I noticed when a, when a, when my when one of my one of my friends who works for the who works for the Mets uh, single A affiliate over in Brooklyn who, who works for the team, I was I was I was once talking to him, and he was telling me he happened to have one of those. And he wasn't even now, there, and he got a hold of one of those. What's your relationship with Opie these days? Maybe not these days, but what happened after the show broke up? Did you well, stay in touch well, with Opie at all? Well, the last time I saw all three of them together was the last time I've actually ever seen Opie. That guy, okay. that guy, literally—it sounds—it seems like he forgot he freaking knows me, or he acts like he doesn't know me. It's like weird. Like he, I, 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 I hardly recognize the guy anymore. He just—it's like. No way! This is the same person that I remember during those days. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, what about Jim Norton? Do you talk to him, or have you done anything with him? Oh, Jimmy, I see plenty of times. I've been on Chip Chipperson shows. I've seen him at a couple. Oh, that's days. right. I, that's right. I've got. I've gone. I've gone to a stand up. I, I I hear from yeah. Jimmy. I hear from Sam. I hear from some. I hear from a number of the staff at uh, at Jim and Sam, and I've been. I visited their shows. Oh, cool. I, I, I visited their show. I visited their show show a couple of times, so I I do I do hear from them quite a bit. Cool. So just Opie's the only asshole. That's what I thought. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, he, the story he, checks out. Yeah, he, he's the only one I've haven't heard from since then. Yeah. Uh, that that seems to check out. That makes mm-hmm. sense. <laughs> but uh, Carl, listen, you've been so gracious with your time. Uh, before we get you out of here, I just want to uh, if if you guys are both up for it, how about a little Bobo versus Carl Super Bowl trivia? All right. All right, all right, all right. Let's try this. Kramer's gonna pull up, put up the old, the old uh, marquee bit. I don't know if you know about WFAN. They would do this con- Super Bowl contest, and and um and uh Mad Dog Mike during Mike, Mike and the Mad Dog and Mad Dog would put on this wig and call himself the marquee while they answered it. Ask, well, well, Mike, well, Mike answers, ask the questions. Sounds good. Let's exactly. Do I'm I'm doing my best, Christopher uh, Mad Dog Russo. Uh, and let's see. All right. Uh, who wants to go first? Carl, you are our guest, so I will give you the option. I'll go first. Carl will go first. All right. So question number one. What team has played in four Super Bowls but never held a lead? Interesting. So I know it's not the Bills uh, just because of the Giants game. So maybe the Minnesota Vikings? That's correct, Carl. The Minnesota Vikings. There we go. Fuck Thank you yeah. for sending that. 
Nice. There you go. I didn't Carl realize is they, up. never. I knew they lost four. I didn't realize they never had a lead. That's brutal. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And I thought I had things bad as a Jets fan. Uh, but let's see. Uh, all right, Dan. So now you're up. Carl leads one nothing. Let's go. What team has participated in the most Super Bowl games? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can I steal if he gets it wrong? How does this work? Yeah, he can steal. Why not? Is he wrong? All right, Dan. That is incorrect. It is not the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, it's got to be the 49ers, right? It's not the 49ers. Actually, the correct answer is New England Patriots. Oh yeah, fuck! I'm such an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I, should have realized that it's been in the last 20 years yeah the patriots you know it, but they fly into the radar there everybody forgets they lost to the the uh, bears and everybody forgets about the uh the you know loss to in the 90s to the packers and far so they kind of fly under the radar there uh all right carl's back up leading one nothing what city hosted the coldest super bowl ever i believe that would be uh well it would be Jersey. It would be the uh, Giants-Jets stadium, right? Believe it or not, no. The answer was New Orleans. They uh, The, the Jets-Giants Super Bowl was 43 degrees, I believe, at kickoff. This was 39 back it in 1979. It was an indoor stadium. It's indoors. It was pre-Superdome. Oh, no shit. Yep. Yeah, pre-Superdome. In one of the most unlikely places that would have have that record, by the way. Wow! All right. Yeah, I'm yeah. I, I was shocked about that too. So you know, throwing a you know a little knowledge around here. Man. <laughs> I got it wrong. All right, but you still have the lead, one nothing right now. And uh, Dan, you're up. What was the first wild card team to win the Super Bowl? The first, the first, first wild card team to win the to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to guess the, the 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 Raiders. That's correct. The 1980 oh. Oakland Raiders getting it done. Great job there. That, uh, Dan, that Madden um, coaching uh, the Raiders to Super Bowl? No, that was post. That was the first one after Madden. Okay. I forget who their coach was that year. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great call, Dan. Uh, all right, so it's tied up 1-1. Carl, you are back up right now. And who holds the record for the most passing yards in a single Super Bowl? Oh, man. I feel like this is probably pretty modern. Definitely. Although it, it could be the best team on turf. But, no, I'm going to say it's going to be either Mahomes or Brady. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, you were right. It was either Mahomes or Brady, but the answer was Tom Brady. He threw over over 500 yards in the loss to the Eagles. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, we are still at 1-1 right now. And, Dan, you are up. Who has the most career passing yards without a Super Bowl round? Passing yards without a Super Bowl ring. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get Terrell Owen. No, for for, for uh, quarterbacks. Oh, 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 oh for, oh, for, for quarterback. Um, I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Jim, Jim Kelly. 
Kelly's not a bad guess, but it's actually Philip Rivers. 63,440 yards. Oh, Super Bowl. I thought you meant in a Super Bowl. In Super Bowls. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it was just, it was a uh, career. Passing yards. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I probably fucked up the wording of that. Yeah, anyway, no, so. that's okay. That, <laughs> I was, I thought Jimmy Clay was a good guess too, because I'm thinking how many passing yards in Super Bowls without winning one, but okay. That's true. Like cumulative. Oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. So, all right. Uh, Carl, you're back up. 1 1. Which two teams have won the most Super Bowls? Okay. This I have to get right. It's the Patriots. <laughs> the and Patriots and the 49ers. No, it's not the 49ers. It is the Pittsburgh oh, Steelers. The Steelers, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now you're right. And the, the 49ers got five. Uh, that's the same thing I, I thought, actually, too. I forgot about the Steelers winning their sixth one. Yeah, it's stupid. I, seven. I wasn't watching on a football in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, Terry Bradshaw and his no. four rings did I exactly. Hate uh, Terry Bradshaw. He sucks. <laughs> But the question is, do you like Greg Olson's impression of him? Yes. Well, Terry Bradshaw is doing a Terry Bradshaw impression at this point. At this I can't point watch Fox because of him. I know. I know. I agree with you on that. So, 1-1. One, one. Dan, you are back up right now. And what is the highest score ever by one team in a Super Bowl? Most points scored by one team. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess maybe it was the the 2003 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I remember that game was a really one heck of a blowout. Tampa Bay, that's a good guess. Tampa Bay scored 48 in that game, but the answer is 55 by the 49ers. Uh, Super Bowl, uh, what was it? 24. I can't read no Roman numerals, I'm an idiot. <laughs> After, I remember like uh, Bart Simpson from that episode when he put them all together and kind of figured out, oh, okay, it's uh, Rocky Nine, Adrian's Revenge. <laughs> so, all right, now it's 1-1, one, one, uh, and Carl, you are back up right now. Who was the first player to say, I'm going to Disney World after winning the Super Bowl? I'll go Kurt Warner, not a bad guess, but the answer is actually right up Dan's alley. Phil Simms, the oh, New York Giants. Going back to the late 21. 80s. Yep. yep, and there, and there's a little, a little, a little fact about that commercial. They actually run two versions of that commercial. All of us that live on the East Coast, we see the players say, "I'm going to Disney World," but people that are closer to Disneyland out in the West Coast, their version, they say, "I'm going to Disneyland," and that begs me that the question: since they have Disney parks overseas now, do they do the commercials in different languages for the, you know, like for for the one in France? Do they have to do the commercial in France saying, "I'm going to the one in"? I always wondered that if he had to do that now. Probably not, but good, good thought, though. Good thought. <laughs> All right. Well, I came up with uh, five questions each for both of you guys, and this one is the one. last one. Oh, okay. last one, one, yeah. one, going to Dan. So Dan has – I have this last one and then a tiebreaker if he doesn't get it. So let's see. Dan, uh, which player has the most career Super Bowl touchdowns? I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess uh, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, Dan, you got it on the last one. Eight touchdowns. Wow. You Congrats. pulled that out at the last second. Dan, congratulations. You're the Super Bowl trivia champion. Yep. <laughs> how, how, could I not, how could I not remember that one when one of my, one of my uncles used to be a security card for the, oh, for the 49ers back in the day? 
And he he always he always mentions how he got to know, how he got to know Jerry Rice personally during that time. So how could I not remember that? Well, you know, uh, I didn't know that the little factoid, Dan. But I appreciate you letting us. Uh, Letting it be known to us right now. Now, just to let you guys know too, the, the the tiebreaker question was: Who's the only player to ever catch and throw a touchdown in the same game? Do, do either of you guys have any uh, any idea who that could be? Catch and throw in the same game. Gosh, I feel like I do know the answer to that. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of it. Nah. Nick Foles. Oh, okay. Nick Foles just a couple oh. of years ago. That yeah. that uh Patriots Nick. <laughs> That was a wacky game. But hey, listen. Uh Carl, we've taken way too much of your time. You've been so gracious. Thank yeah, you so much. Fun. Yeah. For joining us today. Uh you know, as as you know, we're both big fans of yours too. I you know, I know you you've known Bo for a, a while too, so it's cool to have you on. And uh yeah, uh, is, is there anything like a plug for you get out of here? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. I don't get to talk sports very often on shows, so uh, I appreciate it. Whoarethese.com is where you can go to find uh, all the stuff about my show, all the links. Uh, all of our episodes are up there, but also you know our YouTube link. You can watch the shows on there and all the different clips that we have. I also do a show called Who Are These Socials Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time on our YouTube channel. Who are these broadcasters is Tuesdays at 2 p.m. And then I do a show called The Creep Off. It's the only true crime show made for men. And thecreepoff.com is where you can go to find more info about that and watch the show every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern on my channel or The Creep Off channel. And make sure you watch it too. The Creep Off, you and Vinny, great combination. Love everything you guys do together. So please oh, support Carl. I appreciate and, uh, it. Sub to subscribe to all his stuff. Go to WAPTlive.com. Check out all his stuff. Carl, you're the best. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Yep, they, 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 <laughs> they, they, thank you very much, Carl, for jo for joining us today. But much appreciated. De definitely got definitely, de definitely hope to see you next time you're in town. Yes, for sure. I got to get back over to uh, Compound Media. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And that's going to do it for us today uh, here on Best Seat in the House podcast. For Rob Kramer and Daniel Bobo Curlin, our great guest, Carl Hamburger, uh, we'll catch you next week on Best Seat in the House podcast, everybody.